Today we're talking about baggage. I know none of you have any experience with the subject. All right? No one has carried anything that they didn't need around for too long. Well, it is summer, and so it is vacation time. And guess what? These things get dusted off for the lucky ones. We, uh, we grab our luggage, we take our bags, fill them with stuff from our places of living, take them to a place that we want to go to get away from the stuff, but yet we take our baggage and our stuff with us. And maybe, just maybe, you feel the same way in life. We do things, we do, we go to certain places, we have certain habits, we do stuff because we want to get away from the baggage of our lives and the stuff of our lives, yet we take it constantly with us. Hebrews 12, or yeah, 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Last week, we talked about doing life as a community. This week, we're talking about throwing off everything, not just the comfortable things, not just the things that we select, but everything that hinders us and the sin that entangles. And next week, we're going to talk about not giving up. We're talking about baggage. And so appropriately, our platform is covered in all of the worship team's luggage. Apparently, the worship team has a lot of baggage. Actually, this is almost all the pastor's stuff. Um, We've got baggage. And as I was examining the baggage, as examining the luggage of um, up here today and thinking about this message, I realized this important fact. My best piece of baggage is broken and hinders me. I can't make that up. This piece right here is the best piece of baggage that we have. You see this orange tag? This is Delta saying, we didn't break it. We didn't do it. We don't owe you any piece of baggage. My best piece of baggage is broken and hinders me. The baggage that has the most functionality, the most usefulness to me, the easiest to move around an airport or cruise ship, wherever I'm going, is broken and it hinders me. Your best piece of baggage is broken and it hinders you. What are we doing today? Let us throw off everything that what? And the sin that so easily entangles us. My best piece of baggage is broken and it hinders me. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. Um, This... A couple weeks ago, Kelly and I got the opportunity to go on a cruise away from the kids, got excited about doing that. um, Kelly and I have distinct different philosophies in packing. A good trip for me is when I come back with one pair of clean underwear. That means everything went according to plan, right? One pair, clean underwear, 
I win. Hoorah. We did everything perfectly. Kelly's plan for perfect packing is that I didn't use half the stuff in my luggage. She is prepared. We are going to Miami. She packs the winter parka. Just in case when she's there, a snowstorm hits, that one free, I was prepared. Here you are in your flip-flops. I was prepared. We have distinct different ideas of how to pack for things. Uh, this is when Tuesday is our 13-year wedding anniversary. I've learned this. Can you believe that she has put up with me for 13 years? That is amazing. Uh, but she, you guys are like, well, he asked. Yeah, I really can't believe that. Um, We've learned how not to, because for the first 11 years, maybe even 12, getting ready for the trip was, we needed the trip after getting ready for the trip. Maybe your family is the same way, but we just, oh, it's just one of You don't need all those things. Well, why are you, you're not going to be prepared. It's just, ah, the fight, the pre-fight before the trip. You know, we had that. But our baggage was a point of contention. My baggage is different than her baggage, but yet it still bothered each other. We have a piece. If you go on a cruise, um, for those of you who have never gone on a cruise, uh, I'm not saying that to brag, maybe a little, but I'm not trying to brag. Um, If you go on a cruise, guys, I want to let you know on a little secret, you have to pack unnecessary stupid stuff. And the first time I went on a cruise, this really bothered me. It was a free cruise. I still was mad that I had to take stuff that was uh, unnecessary. But you have to take something called a garment bag. Now, I didn't, don't even own a garment bag. We bummed Kelly's parents' garment bag that was broken. And so there's another tip for today. We are already getting the dysfunction of another generation in baggage on yourself. Mm-hmm, as Jimmy would say right there. That's unintentional teaching right now, but this is... The garment bag is broken. If you've ever taken a garment bag, see, here it is on a cruise. You have to pack for elegant night. And elegant night is the ladies love elegant night. They get to be all gussied up and wear, and the ladies around the table talk to each other. And the guys sit there like, is this over? Can I go back to the pool? Uh, I need, this, this is entirely too much time on my vacation without flip-flops on. You know, that's, this, is, this is me because I have dress flip-flops. Those should be fine for elegant night. But no, they're black. Those are dress, right? You guys get to wear open-toed sandals. I wear flip-flops. I'm not classy, but you are. I do, that's, that's not uh, gender equality right there, folks. Okay. <laughs> so elegant night happens. I got to wear a jacket and pack a jacket. It is a cruise in the Caribbean. I want to wear a jacket. I got to wear a belt because the only jacket that I have goes with a black belt. So I got to pack a black belt. I only have to pack back black pants. Am I going to wear black pants any other time on the cruise? No. I got black pants. And black pants, I can't wear my brown shoes. Can't even wear my black flip-flops. That's not good enough. I got to wear black shoes in the garment bag that I don't even want to take that doesn't have a strap because it's broken baggage that I got to cart around an airport and a cruise ship for hours because that's just the way they work. But hey, the baggage is hindering me. The stuff is happening. It's all these things that I don't even need, don't even want, but I feel obligated to carry with me. We all have baggage. We have stuff in life that has been put on us, done to us, and, and maybe that we've even done. I know some things I'm guilty of, things that I did in my past that I carry around as baggage that I feel the guilt that I did that. I think other people, they have stuff that that, that would happen to us, and we carry around this baggage, these, these past 
hurts and these past pain points that we just, we, we just keep on carrying around. And we don't even know how to get up in the morning. We reach for the bags. We don't even realize there's an opportunity just to leave those bags there. But we reach for these bags and start taking them with us wherever we go. They might be broken and junky and only... My mom has about 17 pieces of luggage. She only buys four-wheel pieces of luggage because it's way easier for her to get through the airports. You understand that. But every single piece of luggage has three wheels. You realize the point of four-wheel luggage is to be easier to navigate, and when it has three wheels, it loses its functionality. Our best pieces of luggage are broken and hinder us. We're going to talk about relational baggage today. One of the first stories, the happenings in the scripture is about relational baggage. If you will, turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. If you need a Bible, please take one of ours. If you have six at home, don't take it. That's called stealing. But if you, have, if you need a Bible, please take one of ours. Um, you can also download a free app called YouVersion, and it has almost every translation known to man accessible there that you can uh, even jump on our Wi-Fi right now and do that. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to jump all around the scripture today, but Genesis chapter 12 is this um, almost a little known passage, or Genesis chapter 11, I apologize. Genesis chapter 11, the very end of it. Uh, it's a very little known story because we jumped to Genesis chapter 12 and it's a lot more um, flashy and exciting to read. But Genesis chapter 11 says this, verse 27. This is the account of Terah. <coughs> Terah became father of Abram, who becomes Abraham. Okay. Abram and Nahor and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. This is real exciting scripture, Jared. I appreciate that you... Uh, that you're bringing this out to us. It gets better. Just wait. Became the father of Lot. While his father, Terah, was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. So notice what happened, right? Terah is still alive. People lived a long time back then. Terah is still alive, and he has to bury his baby boy. He has to bury Haran. Now, the emotional baggage, the emotional scarring, the emotional hurt in this moment has got to be deep. It's got to, it, because no man should ever have to bury his son. No parent should ever have to bury their, their, their kids. This is just backwards than the way life works. But while his father, Terah, was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans and in the land of his birth. Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughters-in-law Sarah, and the wife of his son Abram. Together they set out for Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to a city named Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 250 years and died in Haran. So what happens is this. Notice the city's name is the same as his son. He gets to the city. He gets to a waypoint. He's headed to Canaan. He's headed to the promised land. He's headed somewhere else. He stops in the city named Haran, and he can't go any further. Do you see this? The baggage of life has taken him to a place where he gets stuck. He stops. 
And what happens is it's up to his son to move forward. Abraham gets the call to go on to the promised land. But Terah doesn't live out his potential. Terah is held back by his baggage. Terah doesn't live out his potential because of his baggage. Baggage keeps us from our potential. It keeps us from our potential. Psalm 73, verse 22 and 21 says this. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. Tell me how you really feel, David. When I was grieved and embittered, I was what? Senseless and ignorant. I was senseless and ignorant. Our baggage holds us back. We don't make proper thoughts when we're held back by our baggage. If you've ever watched Amazing Race, right? You get to the finish line, you're getting close to winning the million dollars. Then people are running with those backpacks and they're just going, and then you just see people tossing their bags. They don't care what's in it. The cute pink shoes can be in there. You know, your makeup, your hundreds of dollars of this or that or whatever. Who cares? I don't care. As I'm running a race, I'm going to the finish line. There's a million dollars at stake and they throw off what? Everything that hinders them. They can go back for shoes. If they win the million dollars, you can buy as many pink shoes as you want, right? But when I'm senseless and held back by my baggage, I don't reach my potential. I've never seen someone on the amazing race stop and like, oh, well, you know, this is my favorite bag. It's been around the world with me. It's gone forever with me. I can't leave it now. Well, you lost the race because of that, honey. They're going to need some marriage counseling or whatever's going on there with that couple. If that happens, does this make sense? But we do this all the time. We're like, I can't leave it. It's been with me forever. Do you like it? No. Does it give you value to your life? Absolutely not. It tears me down every single day, but I carry it with me. It's my baggage, my own. When you're carrying baggage, you get senseless and ignorant. That's the scripture saying that, not, not me. Script, uh, baggage pollutes our other relationships. Pollutes our other relationships. A bitter spirit is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many others. A bitter spirit is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many others. It pollutes us. Notice this. This is the interesting thing. That our baggage, our baggage, the baggage that we're carrying, pollutes others. So the very things that we've been carrying around and dealing with, our broken stuff that keeps us holding us back, actually affects the others around us. That becomes our responsibility. I can't be held responsible for the stuff that was done to me, right? But I am held responsible for what I do with that. Because now once I'm passing on that dysfunction, I'm causing the problem. And you can blame your dad, and you can blame these circumstances, and you can blame this, that, and the other thing. But at the end of the day, you're passing on the dysfunction. It pollutes our other relationships. There's a story. Um, this is a great, great story. Our kids in motion heard this by one of the speakers last year. So he stole it from somebody else, so I'm going to steal it from him. And uh, that's how uh, preaching works. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun, Solomon said. Um, so here, here it goes. This is a great story on dysfunction. 
Once upon a time, there is a police dog, and the police dog is a great canine unit. It is decorated. It is a fantastic police dog. And then this police dog, one day on the, on the job, it's chasing a person around. It's doing its job. It's going after him, runs out in the street and gets hit by a car. <laughs> it's okay. The story gets better, people. <laughs> got animal lovers getting, yelling at me right now. Um, the police dog gets hit by a car, breaks the back hips of the dog. Take the dog to the vet. It's a canine. We're going to do everything we can. This highly trained, wonderful service dog, we're going to do everything we can to save its life. When they're fixing the hips, they realize the dog is pregnant. They get the puppies out through C-section, and the puppies are healthy and wonderful. Mom survives. Mom starts raising these kids. Mom has these broken hips, can't walk anymore. So she gets around in front of these puppies by pushing her front paws forward and dragging her body around, putting her paws forward and dragging her body around. The veterinarians that are taking care of this start to watch the phenomena that is happening in front of them. These little, perfectly healthy, little German shepherds, instead of running around and playing like they're supposed to, put their front paws in forward and drag their perfectly healthy hips around. They're modeling the dysfunction that was modeled for them. They are living out the dysfunction that was modeled for them. Some of us fall victim to the same thing. Are we walking out the dysfunction that was modeled for us? Our hips are fine. Our legs work. Are we walking out the dysfunction that was modeled for us? And the second follow-up question for that is this. Are you modeling dysfunction? The baggage does some things to us that causes this dysfunction. Our, our reactions, our human reactions to this causes this dysfunction. And we're going to explore a few of those. And then I... Guarantee you, we're going to give you hope on how this gets rid of, okay? There, there, is, there is the good parts coming, I, I promise. Are you modeling dysfunction? Here's the, the ways we can ask ourselves this. Baggage makes us defensive. It makes us defensive. We build up walls that don't need to be there. You're, we're mad at people that we don't need to be mad at. We expect an attack. We expect to be offended. We expect someone to try to hurt us. We expect people to try and use us because of what happened before, because of the bag that we're carrying around. Our defensiveness makes us dysfunctional. Our baggage makes us distant. It makes us distant. We build walls to keep people out. We build walls to keep people out, but the people that hurt you have already come, burned down your village, and left. They're not coming back. But we build up walls to keep other people from hurting us, but the only people we're keeping out is people who want to help us. It makes us distant. It makes us distant. Baggage makes us demanding. We demand unreal expectation on the people in our lives. 
We set these crazy high expectations so we can say, of course you failed. Everyone fails me. Of course you hurt me. Everyone hurts me. Of course you did that because this is what people do. It makes us demanding and set these crazy high expectations. And it's all because of our baggage that we're not allowed, allowing ourselves to let go of the stuff and the past and the junk. My best baggage is broken and it hinders me. My best baggage is broken and it hinders me. Our demanding brings dysfunction into relationships. It also, our baggage destroys our relationship with God. Matthew 11, verse 25 says this, when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Personally, don't like this scripture very much. I don't want to do what it says. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. What that says is when we hold grudges and we haven't forgiven others, we're putting a wall, we're putting a, a, a barrier in between the forgiveness of God for our sins. It's destroying the relationship. We can't fully experience what God has for us because we're holding on to this baggage. When in fact, what God wants to do for us is take this baggage away from us. He wants to be our bellboy in some way. You don't want to know what he's going to do with the baggage because it's going to be gone. He throws it away. He burns it. And some of us are so worried about that thought. So maybe we don't know who we are if we stop carrying this baggage, this hurt, this pain, these memories, this stuff. Matthew 6, 12 and 14 says this, Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. The healing process, what does that look like? Psalm 147 verse 3 says this, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Say that with me. He heals brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and winds up their wounds. For some of you right now, you just need to like, that's your now your life verse. You need to write that and put that on your mirror and be okay. You're in a desperate place in life right now and you need just to, he heals. He is God, heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That is a promise from our God. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now this is the victory verse. Some of us, we deal with this baggage and the baggage has control of us. We're like the person with the huge Kelty mountain pack that has entirely too much stuff. And we're like, oh, I'm having fun hiking. This is good. This is fun. Can't wait for the mountain. I just got out of the car. I can't breathe. 
But this is, this is actually how we act. This is how we live our life. Strapped down with the baggage of our past and our stuff and our junk and our sin and all the things. But the second Corinthians says, what do we do to this? We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That is the victory that we have in Jesus when we give our stuff to him. That we are no longer slaves to it. We are no longer captive to it. Instead, we take capture of it. Say, you're mine. This is my baggage. I paid money for you. I don't care if you're broken. You're staying home. I don't care if you're the best baggage I got. You are worthless and you cause problems. We demolish them. We take captive of it. We stand in that victory. How do we do that? First step is this. Reveal the hurt. Reveal the hurt. I've got to, got to, this might hurt a little bit today, but time doesn't heal anything. It doesn't heal jack squat. I still get embarrassed over stuff I did when I was 12 years old. Still think about it. Something happened. I'm like, oh, I was such an idiot. Oh, oh. I get embarrassed and go through the guilt process of that whole thing. I was 12, 13 years old. Jared, get over it. Let it go. Right? But you guys do the same thing. Stuff that's happened to you for years and years and years ago, we still pull it on and pull it on out. Oh, I haven't seen this bag in a while. I forgot we own this one, honey. Oh, that's a good old bag. It weighed me down for a decade. Piece of junk. Get rid of the baggage, we reveal the hurt. Anyone in here ever got a splinter, right? You know what it's like when you get a splinter because we want, Kelly, you don't touch the splinter. You don't, don't get the needle out. Don't get the scalpel out. Don't get the, twe- the twe- tweezers. Tweezers. <laughs> I get in the room with tweezers. She's already crying. I haven't touched you. I'm 10 feet away from you, honey. Right? And this is somehow how we are when we have pain in our lives, stuff in our life. We're like, oh, no, 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 no. Just, just let it leave. It'll work itself out. Splinters don't do that. They work themselves in farther, deeper, and then they get infected. And then a splinter that you didn't want a little needle to take out, now you got to go to the doctor. And the doctor says, oh, we get to cut something. Well, no, don't, don't cut anything. We got to cut it. We got to cut, cut that out. No, don't. Dad, okay, it's going to work itself out. Time will heal that wound. And then, and then you go home. And now your foot's infected. Wait, we got to cut off the foot. Nah, it's okay. It's okay. I'll walk it off. Put some ointment on it. Maybe spray some Windex on it or whatever. We're good. You guys really needed a laugh. We were way too serious, so I had to. <laughs> and then the leg's infected. We got to amputate the leg. No, we're just going to go septic. Okay, you're dead. Because why? It's like the woman who swallowed the spider. I don't know why. she. Because we don't want to deal with the pain and the issues and the stuff and the little bit of pain that we got to go through now to, re- to relieve that. When I go for a splinter, I go hardcore. I'm like, chainsaw, we're cutting it out. Who cares if we lose the toe? The, the stinging splinter got out. And I go in, I got I a little, I'm a special X-Acto knife I use for that, sterilize it. I do, I really do. And I cut it out, and Bowen's like, ah, it's going to hurt. Kendall's like, do it. <laughs> She's my girl. And you cut out the things, and you got to take it out. You got to extract it. You got to reveal it. And some of us have stuff that we've buried so deep. We're like, well, let's callus grow over that. It'll be okay. But every time we take a step, 
You've been trying to walk it off for 20 years. It's not going well. We've got to reveal the hurt. Now, we don't stay in the hurt once we reveal it, right? Some of us, we've got a splinter. Oh, cut it open. Ah, look at there. There's a splinter. All right, we're going to let that heal. We come back to it in a year or so. Pastor preached a verse on getting rid of your stuff. We come back. Let's cut it open. There's that splinter. I'll let that heal. And we do it over and over and over again. Revealing the hurt is you cut it open. You see the splinter. You take the tweezers. You dig in there. It causes pain. It hurts. You want to faint. Sorry, honey. And then you remove the splinter. And if you need the great physician to do that, you get the physician to do it. This is what a therapy, why people make you remember all these crazy things about your childhood. It's because you're trying to reveal the past. Not so you can just stay there and be stuck in the mud, but have it removed and live healthy again. My best baggage is broken and it hinders me. Reveal it. The second thing is this, release the people involved. Release the people involved. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now the scripture answer to this is three times. It's the Old Testament answer is three times. Forgive him three. That sounds nice. Somebody hurts you, forgive him. Hurts you, forgive him. Okay, you're done. You're cut off your bank account. We're done. So Peter, having his brother be a disciple, Andrew must have done something stupid. How many times am I supposed to forgive this joker? Seven times? Because we at five right now. I'm going to punch him. And Jesus looks at him and says, seven times, 70. Man. There is no limit to that. Forgive them. That doesn't mean you still have to have them in your life. But it is forgiveness. Forgiveness is as much for you as it is for them. Remember what the scripture said just a minute ago. Forgive others in your life so that Christ will what? Forgive you. Release the people involved. Some of us, the person caused the baggage. Oh, come on. Come on. Sometimes we even try to take the person's baggage that caused the problem in the first place. And we're taking their baggage now. What are we doing? And you know you do it. But they've been my friend for so long. Have they really been your friend or have they been your baggage? Release the people involved. That comes from forgiving them and then letting them go if that need be. Restore the relationship if you can. But it's okay to say, bye. Release the people involved. 1 Peter 2, 23 says this, When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Think about that. Christ is dying on the cross. Instead of retaliating, I mean, this is all the power in the world. This is the guy who calms the seas, raises the dead back to life. And instead of saying, with a word, and killing these people, doing whatever he wants to do, he takes it. And gives it to God and says, he's the judge. I don't have to judge. Third, and finally, he refocuses, or <clears throat> refocus on God's plan for my life. Refocus on God's plan for my life. 
Genesis 50 says this, Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. See, all throughout the scripture, especially in Genesis and even Exodus, if you look at any of the major players in, uh, in the scripture, they all have huge baggage issues that they've got to let go. Moses killed a guy, Right? He killed a guy, and he's supposed to let go of his baggage to lead the people. Joseph is accused of rape, thrown in prison, and he has to let that go so he can lead the people. Terah has his son die, and he can't move past it. So there comes this call on Abram's life. The Lord had said to Abram, go to your country, your people and your father's household. Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be be blessed through you. Abram has a choice. Either he follows in his father's baggage or he moves on. Either he picks up and walks in the dysfunction of his past or he moves on. And this is the choice that we have. There's a great divine calling on his life. This is one of the most important things that happens in all of scripture. Like this calling and John 3.16, they're pretty much, they're, they're up there. This is the gold standard of what's in the scripture. I will make a blessing out of you. And whoever you bless, I will bless. And whoever you curse, I will curse. This is God choosing the Hebrew people to say, you are my instruments in whom I will do everything through. I will bring salvation through you. This is the moment in which these people are chosen and why there is such a thing as a promised land. Because Abraham is willing to let go of his father's dysfunction. And the pain he had probably had to lose his own brother in this spot and move on to leave the baggage behind. How does he do that? He refocuses on God's plan for his life. The band's going to come up. And we're going to do something that we've never, I've never done here as a church before. I'm going to have an altar call. There's a bunch of baggage up here. And what I see today is a great object lesson with baggage is that I'd love for you as we sing this next song to think about the baggage that you have in your life. Remember, your best baggage is broken and it hinders you. But I, I want you to come up here if you feel, feel so led. Grab a handle, grab, put a hand on a piece of baggage, pray over what, is, what you've been carrying, what you've been taking through everywhere, and then leave it here. That this is a moment, this is a time, this is a special opportunity. There's nothing magical in these bags. But it's a, it's a, it's a, a physical action of I'm going to leave my bags here. Leave the hurt, leave the pain, leave those events, leave that stuff, leave the things that I did here and let Jesus take them. That this is a time in which we leave our bags behind. We leave our hurt behind. Listen to this promise that 
that God gives Job, the, most, the guy who went through the most stuff in the history of mankind, if anyone had an excuse to have spiritual, emotional, and physical baggage, it is Job. And this is the promise Jesus says, put your heart right, reach out to God, then face the world again. Firm and courageous, then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. There's a promise that I want for my life, that I can remember no more the baggage of my life, the, the stupid things of life, the, the hurts and the pains and the silly things that I've done and had done to me. That today can be a day in which we leave the baggage here. That we walk out of here a changed and new creation, a changed and new person. Maybe you need to let the people that have hurt you go. Maybe you need to let go of the circumstances that you've been carrying around. Maybe you need to let go of those old wounds. Maybe it's time to forgive yourself. Today it is time to let go of your baggage. And that looks something like this as you think about coming forward during this next song. It goes like this, God, take my baggage. Take this event, spell it out to him however you want to. Take this time, take this thing, but God, let me leave it here. Will you take that from me? He is infinitely more powerful. He can carry as many bags as you give him. But too often we make this this mistake. We wrestle Jesus for our baggage. We pull it, we give it, all right, God, here you go. And then we try to rip it back. We go looking for it again. Give it to him. Let him take it and be free and be who God has called you to be. Let's pray. As you feel led, you can come forward if you'd like. God, thank you so much for today and thank you for this time and thank you for this moment. God, that we have this baggage and we have this stuff and we have this hurt and this pain. God, I ask you to remove the baggage of our hearts that we can live free lives, unhindered lives. But you let us be who you have created us to be. That we may experience all that you have for us. Thank you, God, that you are a God who forgives, that you're a God who destroys baggage that you are a God of freedom, and that you are a God of victory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.